Good morning. This is South Florida Sunday. I'm Tracy St. George with some friends from JDRF in studio with me today. Donna DeSanctis, who is the JDRF Board of Directors member and advocacy chairperson, and Juliet Baum, who is the youth ambassador representing the chapter at the Children's Congress this year in Washington, D.C. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. So let's start off with the biggest question I think that everybody has. What exactly is type 1 diabetes and why do they have numbers? So type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune condition in which the cells in the pancreas stop producing insulin. And when that happens, the person becomes insulin dependent for the rest of their lives. Uh, the reason there are numbers is there's two types of diabetes. There's type 1 diabetes, which is the insulin dependent uh, diabetes that I'm speaking of. And then there's type 2 diabetes, which is something where you can more or less get it from proper, improper um, eating, lack of exercise. So it's more of a condition that comes on usually later in life, whereas type 2, type 1 diabetes comes on usually earlier in life. Okay, so one, you're born with, and two, develops. Um, you're not necessarily born with type 1 diabetes. Uh, it's an autoimmune response. So something triggers your body to attack the cells in the pancreas oh. uh, that produce insulin. So that could happen, like my son was, was uh, diagnosed when he was age 3. Um, but some people can be diagnosed, believe it or not, up until their early 50s oh, is the latest okay. now. So yeah, it's not necessarily something that you're born with, but something that uh, can come on based on uh, something maybe in the environment or something in your own body that makes your T cells go haywire and they wow. start attacking the pancreas uh, wow. cells called beta cells. Interesting. So the JDRF wants to find a cure for this. Absolutely. So what exactly is the JDRF? What do you guys do? Okay, so um, JDRF is a organization that does a lot of research and funding to, first of all, cure type 1 diabetes. So we want to make sure that we find a cure, but in the meantime, we want to also keep those with diabetes healthy. And so we also do a lot of fundraising for uh, education and advocacy and making sure that uh, those living with type 1 diabetes have the best life they can. So when the cure comes, they're able to um, you know, be healthy. I love the JDRF walks that you have every year. Yes. They're so much fun and there's such huge support, like the teams that you have supporting um, whoever in their family or a friend that has the diabetes. It's just, it's amazing and it, you leave feeling good. It's a tough thing to go for, but you have such a great outlook and you leave feeling happy. Thank you, mm -hmm. yes, we do a lot of uh, walks. We have the West Palm Beach Walk and the Boca Raton Walk locally and just like like you said, it's just families that come together and they bring their friends and neighbors and each year it grows a little bigger and uh, I know my son and I, I believe Juliet, who is with us as well, will say it's almost like a big birthday party for them because right? when you have type 1 yeah. and you see all these people out there supporting you and walking and you know we do lots of fun uh, face painting and there's always, of course, lots of food. And, yeah. and it seems like a celebration. It really is a celebration of, of life. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, what is your role with JDRF? You're a director member, you're on the board of directors and advocacy chairperson. What does that do? Yes. So um, in addition to being on the board, one of the things I do is I travel to Washington DC every March along with other uh, board members from around the country and we speak with every congressperson and every senator in the entire United States in two days. We storm Capitol Hill oh my and we go up there and we speak about um, type 1 diabetes. We tell our personal stories and the purpose is to get the special diabetes program renewed and so the government gives us about 150 million dollars 
to help with our research, but it's not something that they just hand out. We have to go there and advocate and explain why we need the funding, and we do that every year in March. Why do you have to go every year, though? Why are they not having it just, here you go, here you go? It, it should be given automatically. That's, That's kind of sad that you have to go up there and go, hello, guys, remember? That's an excellent question. Um, so I think it's a complicated answer, but basically uh, there's a lot of uh, conditions out there and there's only a certain pool of money. And that pool of money has to be split up between you know all the different types of diseases. So they don't have the money dedicated to the specific disease. So that's why we as advocates and parents and also people with type one diabetes have to go every year just to remind them why we need it to renew. It doesn't renew every year automatically. So sometimes it's a two-year renewal, sometimes a five-year renewal. So we have to go in and plead our case. And this is why we've got the Children's Congress, too. So tell us about that. Yeah, so Children's Congress is super exciting. We do it every odd year. So this year being 2019, we send about 165 children from around the country from the different JDRF chapters, and they go up to Capitol Hill and they speak with all the senators and all the Congress people and tell their personal story. So it really brings it to life, you know, having a child sit in front of a senator or a congressperson and telling how difficult it is to live with type one. Definitely like our good friend Juliet Baum was in studio with us today. So Juliet, tell us everything about you first of all before we get into your JDRF story. So I am Juliet Baum. I was diagnosed with type one diabetes when I was six years old. I am eleven now. And Basically, when I got diabetes, we were in the hospital for about four days, and I had fun. My parents <laughs> did not, but we ended up learning a lot about it, and now I'm going to Congress. That is amazing. Now, when you went to the hospital, when you got diagnosed, what did you think was wrong? Did you just think you had a bad cold, and that's why your mom and dad took you there? I thought, like, oh, what happened? Why is everyone making a big deal out of this. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really get it. I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> what am I doing here? Right. What did they do to you in those four days? Uh, Lots of tasks well, and... They put like a needle in my wrist and they wouldn't let me eat anything but cheese and meat when my blood sugar was high, which is like all the time. I was 600 and you're supposed to be between 80 and about one one thirty. Oh my goodness. And I was six hundred. Holy cow, but eating cheese all the time wouldn't be too bad to me. Yeah, it was good. Um <laughs> but cheese and meat don't have any carbs, so I don't need to bolus. And so when my blood sugar was high, I just ate cheese and meat. So a diet will help with, with diabetes? So it's not really a diet. Or type, so, type 1? Really? Right. So with type 1 diabetes, basically what it is, you're not producing insulin, and you need insulin in order to process the food in your system, just to make it really simple. So someone with type 1 diabetes, in order for them to be able to eat just a normal meal that has carbohydrates, they need to calculate how much carbohydrates is in the plate of food they're going to eat every day every forever. single time for wow. the rest of their life forever there is no cure for type 1 diabetes as of today as of today mm -hmm. but we're working for yes. it so yes so they have to calculate the carbs they have to know what their current blood sugar reading is and then they need to do some calculations to see how much insulin they need and every single person is different so depending on your age and your weight and how much exercise you do and exercise only because you know you're active and and your your you know insulin needs would be changing because of that mm -hmm. so someone like you know Juliet who is 
you know, a gorgeous girl. Your audience can't yes, see her here, is. but she's just so vibrant and beautiful. And if you saw her, you would have no idea that she has type 1 diabetes. Just no. like my son, no one knows. But every single moment of every day, you're thinking about it because your blood sugar can go low, in which case you can pass out and go into a coma. Mm -hmm. Or your blood sugar can go too high, in which case you can actually go also into an, a different type of a coma. And so you're, it's a constant balancing act between mm -hmm. what you're going to eat, how much insulin you're gonna take, and where your blood sugar is. So now, Juliet, you were telling me that you have something stuck on you, and you've got like a little, look like a pager, that's gonna tell you your blood sugar all the time. So is there a point in time where like you're looking at it and go, oh, whoa, I need some insulin right now? Or do you say, oh, I'm a little bit low, I better have some insulin later? Um, so I have a pump, which when my blood sugar is too high, I have a little remote, a little silver remote, and I'll go, and I'll go in, I'll put what my um, number is, and then I will enter it, and it will say how much I give myself, and I'll enter that, and it will give me the insulin from my pump, which I have to change every three days. So that's on you, like you're carrying that with you all the time? The yes, pump. there's also, oh no, the pump is, um, there's a wire that goes into my stomach. Okay, gotcha. So are you excited to go to um, Congress and be the representative this year? Yes, I'm so excited to go, and I look forward to meeting all the other T1D kids just like me. Are they coming from all over the country? Yes, they are. Oh, that'll be so exciting to meet some new friends. Um, how has diabetes impacted your life? Everything, and your family, too. Everything affects it. Everything affects my blood sugar. I have to be aware every second of the day um, from what I eat to what I'm doing. Because if I go swimming, my blood sugar will go low. Or if I'm like being competitive, playing something, my blood sugar might go high. You never know. You have to be on constant alert. Right. Have you ever had any scary situations? Well, I was in school once. And I felt really dizzy. I was shaking a bunch. And I tried putting the, um, it was when I didn't have a Dexcom, I, and you had a little meter, and I put it in, I put the little tab in backwards, and then someone needed to help me put it in, I pricked my finger, I put the blood in, and I was 29. Whoa, that is low. And everyone was surprised I wasn't like, passed out. And so I went down to the classroom, cause I was upstairs, mm -hmm. And I had like four juices and I went up and I stabilized and I was not freaking out and everyone else was. I'm like, why are we all freaking out? That because was the first, they care about That was you. the first really big low I had. And my art teacher, which is the class I was in at the time, is a type one diabetic. So she was like, oh my gosh. Right. Well, thank goodness she was though, because she knew exactly what to do, yes. right? Um, are, are you finding that a lot of people are getting better educated in the schools with kids having type one? So it's really a school-by-school school process, so it really just depends if they're, uh, I'll say, lucky enough to have someone like Juliet in their school, then that whole school would be educated. So right. if they have someone with type 1 diabetes, I would say yes, but if they don't, then they may not you know, even be aware of it because only there's only 1.25 million people with type 1 diabetes, and I say only kind of tongue-in-cheek. So if they haven't been exposed to it, they may not know what it is, or you know, so they need proper training if they're going to have a student on campus We'll go in, you know, mm -hmm. as an organization, we'll, you know, help. We have some booklets to help educate them and so they know what to look for for lows, like Juliet had. Mm -hmm. If you go too low, you can pass out. And it's a very dangerous situation. And that's yeah. why she had juice. You need fast-acting sugar in order to bring yourself up. Right. And you must be so happy that you don't have to prick your finger anymore because that thing that you have stuck on you with the little 
major thingamajigger, you don't have to prick yourself anymore. Yes, before, um, when I was checking myself, I checked it at least 15 times a day. Oh my goodness. And my fingers were like pin cushions. They had a bunch of little bumps, and I still have like a f- like one or two on my fingers mm-hmm. now because they haven't fully healed. But now they're much, much better. And I have one that I call Old Faithful because I use it every time <laughs> and I get just enough blood every single time. Oh my goodness. Now, uh, do all people now have that little sticker thingy or are some people still pricking their fingers? Some people use the sticking uh-huh. device. Is it personal preference? It's or a per- is- yeah, so it's a personal preference thing. So part of the thing that JDRF has done for those people you know, who are living with type 1 diabetes is creating these technologies. So you know, by creating these better technologies helps their life to be a little better, but it is definitely a personal choice. Some people don't want to wear uh, a continuous glucose monitor. Dexcom is just one of the brands or other brands out Mm -hmm. there, but they don't want to wear it maybe on their body or maybe they want to take a break. Um, And so then, yes, they'll be, you know, they'll still be pricking their fingers. Like my son, for example, he kind of goes on the continuous glucose monitor and then sometimes he just doesn't want to be bothered with it and he'd rather just prick his finger, so it's personal. Is this new technology covered by insurance? So that's a great question. Um, Most uh, most of the insurances out there do cover it, but it's, again, something that we as an organization have fought for. So Children's Congress 2015, one of the things we did was go up and make sure that CGMs, which are con- continuous glucose monitors, would be covered by insurance because yeah. at a certain point they were not. And so we that's had to crazy. fight for it. So that's why we're up there every year is because there's always something that we need to talk with them about exactly. besides funding. Well, how can we help out? What, what other uh, JDRF events do we have um, upcoming that we can show our support to? So um, we take a little bit of a break during the summer. Um, but it's too darn hot to walk. Yeah, and in South Florida, <laughs> exactly. Very good point. Um, but we do have um, a JDRF uh, summit that will be coming up in September, which is a great way to get educated. And then we always have our walks every spring. Um, so we usually do West Palm Beach in March and then Boca in April. And in February, and I just came from a meeting about our JDRF gala, um, every February we do a really beautiful gala and we raise a lot of funds for uh, type 1 diabetes research there. So those are different ways. That's awesome. Have you um, participated in other JDRF events besides going to Congress, being a Congresswoman? Yes. <laughs> um, every year I'm a youth ambassador and at the JDRF gala, I help behind the scenes. Well, you got to like, come up in front of the scenes. You're too pretty to be behind the scenes, Well, Juliet. we do get to go up and hold little signs that say type none. Oh, we're I like that. Because we're turning type one mm-hmm. into type none to find a cure. Mm-hmm. And then I give speeches to corporate donors to um, like tell them about the struggles of diabetes. And I have a walk team for the JDRF walk. Team Sugar Mouse. Sugar Mouse. Very cute. That's awesome. Well, your parents must be so proud of you. Yes. For all that you've done. And I'm sure JDRF, too. Absolutely. She's just a wonderful representative. And I just wanted to mention that you have to go through a process to be elected to Children's Congress. So JDRF has a process, and there's over 1,500 applicants from around the country that basically vie for that position and Juliet is the one who was chosen to represent Greater Palm Beach chapter so we're really excited to have her she's just a stellar advocate and wonderful public speaker as you she all have is. just heard yes <laughs> she's amazing 
you. <laughs> She's so sweet. So how can people find out about JDRF? I know you guys want to get off and do your thing on Sunday here. So let's just give um, some of our important information. Website, phone number, how can they contact you to either uh, be in a walk, be a supporter, be a donor? What can they do? Absolutely. So you can go to www.jdrf.org, Greater Palm Beach at jdrf.org. Okay. And then also our phone number, our local chapter, you can reach out at 561-801-7272. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Juliet and Donna, for joining us today. Have a great time and go powerful women in Congress in Washington. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.